I'm going to tell you why I think we have more social unrest, more famine, more war potentially on the way, as well as the chance for an economic collapse is very high. Come on, let's go take a look at all this. Hello, everyone. Dr. Chris Martinson here. Listen, we've got some really big things going on in the world. Obviously, that's why you're tuning in here. So I'm sitting down all day trying to figure this out so that you don't have to. All right, let's dive in. This is really, um, it's getting hard to figure out what's going on. So much is breaking so rapidly. So we're going to start here. Let's turn now to Argentina. Argentina, there it is on the map down in South America. Let's turn now to the first video. All right, that's classic Argentina right there, banging the pots and the pans. Uh, that's pretty classic for them. This is also classic for Argentina because it's gone through a lot of these types of upheavals in the past. So what's going on in Argentina? Why are they being like this again? By the way, that's Buenos Aires right there. I've spent a bunch of time there in the past myself. Here's what's going on. Oh, my God, check this out. Overnight, 20% price jump in Argentina. They're currency against the dollar has just collapsed. Inflation is just raging at this point in time. Retailers, consumers, they're seeking to stock up on goods before increases. This is classic. This is what happens when your country enters into a hyperinflationary standpoint. Prices of everything go up and the quantities of things available go down. But what you can afford is always, always, always lagging to the actual price increases. Wages never seem to go quite as fast as prices themselves. So that's what's going on in Argentina. Wish that was just a one-off. It absolutely is not. So let's turn now over here to Albania, just across the Adriatic Sea there from Italy, just north and a little bit west of Greece. What's going on in Albania? All right, yeah, a lot of unhappiness going on up there in Albania, so the tension's rising there as well. Uh, so they don't like the government policies, um, and they say the, the, these policies are responsible. Who, who knew government policies could do anything? But they do. Uh, rising cost of living is with a fuel increase of 30%. And by the way, they're resisting a globalist vision that they really don't want, did not vote for. This is the theme that we're starting to see now is that governments particularly across the West, went into some sort of fealty with the WEF, the Davos, the Great Reset crowd. Uh, they go for these ESG, the so-called um, environmental social governance rules, whatever these things are that the governments are going for. They want you to own nothing but be happy. They want you to eat less meat, maybe more crickets. These sorts of policies are not bringing prosperity. They are ruining prosperity. And of course, this is what happens when people's prosperity gets ruined. They get restive. That's where the social unrest is coming from there. Now we're going to turn to North Macedonia, just next door to the east there. Again, just pure north of Greece here. So what is going on over there is this. Unrest is now spreading through the Balkans now. And it's because they say, well, obviously people barely surviving increases in food and fuel prices. So we're seeing the so-called food riots and the inflation riots, pretty standard in times past, they were called the IMF riots because the IMF would come in and impoverish the nation and then the people would, you know, not like that for who knows why. But 
actually it's uh, they're saying here as well that they feel like they're being kept in the dark by their media. Oh, looking at you, Canada and the United States, lots of Europe. So same thing going on in North Macedonia. And under new protest laws by our government, they increase, they, they're not liking this new world order. They're not liking the direction of things. They're very unhappy with current conditions and the trajectory and their leadership. Those three things are really combining to create very unhappy people. So that's happening there as well. And so what they say here is, um, well, they don't like the indecent conditions, they're saying, of the EU accession proposal. So lots of conditions you would have to accept to get into the EU. It's supposed to be this big carrot. Hey, don't you want to be part of the EU? They dangle this carrot out there. Problem is, uh, it comes with a lot of conditions. And the people are now looking at those conditions and saying, hey, wait a minute. Those don't actually serve us because a lot of the conditions of the EU are about you losing your sovereignty, you losing the right to choose for yourself how you want to conduct yourself. you got to give up your culture, your borders, your money, all kinds of stuff you have to give up just to become part of the club. People are saying, mm, not so sure we want to be part of your club. And of course, the big story these past few weeks, we've been tracking this for well over a couple months now at Peak Prosperity, Sri Lanka, there off the southeast coast of India, big island, 21 million people. This was super um, eye-opening at the time. So let's check this video out now. It's the presidential palace. Presidential palace overrun, president skips town, resigns. Uh, it's not going to cure anything, of course. I mean, the people can be unhappy and express that with the president. Actually, there was a bit of um, a few things that actually are fully um, on actually the leadership of that country. One of the things they did last year was crazy to me. Crazy. They just said, and I like this part. They said, hey, we're going to switch towards organic farming. I love the idea. But they did it all at once, and they just stopped the import of fertilizer. So harvest immediately do took a nosedive down 10, 15, 20, in some cases, 25% losses of yields. They became a rice importer for the first time. Everything just went haywire, of course. You can't just take a system and break it or you know rapidly reform it. Say, we're going to switch from chemical fertilizers. Good idea, and we're all going to have to do it eventually. And more towards organic. That's fine, but it's a much harder proposition. Where do you get all the compost? How are you recycling your so-called waste stream so that you can refertilize your fields? They didn't do that elegantly. They just cut off the fertilizers. So next thing you know, they have food shortages and food in inflation. And then, of course, on top of being subject to needing to import all of their oil and being caught up in the larger whirlwind of what's happening with the world energy situation. So with all of that said... Next thing you know, that's what you see in Sri Lanka. This is what it looks like right here. That's what it looks like when your country gets starved for fuel. And when, you know, what do they say? The difference between civilization and anarchy is about nine meals, right? So this is always true. If you have food, if you have fuel, if you have water, you have a country. If you're lacking in any one or, God forbid, all three of those things, you have anarchy on your hands and you don't have a country anymore. That's what Sri Lanka is up against. This is coming soon to a theater near you. The level of ineptitude amongst the leadership class in Europe, in the United States, and obviously Sri Lanka, all across South America, it's astonishing. 
So I think you need to be ready for that. You need to get prepared for that, which is why we do what we do over at Peak Prosperity. Um, if you want to come over, become a member, we'd love to have you. We're actively talking about all of these issues every day, seven days a week. These are the kinds of things we talk about. No energy, no economy. If you don't understand that linkage of economy and energy, you are behind the eight ball and you're going to be constantly surprised by what you're seeing out there in the world. And as well, you see on this other list of things, we're talking about the rebellion that's been gone. I talk about oil, talk about the magic juice uh, constantly and everything that's going on with health, things like that as well. We, are, um, we get a weekly update on geostrategic intelligence summaries from our good friends at Forward Observer. So awesome stuff there if you want to come by and check that out. Now, yay media. Oh, my God. As bad as it's been, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, so <laughs> look at this. David Bell writes, it's fascinating to watch BBC Europe coverage, four articles on Ukraine, one on the shortage of fries in a Russian food chain. Nice. But zilch on farmer and popular protests across Europe. Must be hard being an honest journalist. When will BBC crack? Hey, BBC journalists, uh, fly those flags upside down. Uh, sneak those little things in that let us know you're under duress, you know, and uh, maybe maybe we'll look kindly on you when, when the time comes because right now you are failing us all, mainstream media. I mean, big time. I mean, the media has just lost its way. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this reporter. He's out in front of this huge movement right here. Thank you so much for, um, you know, that great reporting. But, oh, that uh, same picture down below. That's, that's, that's the protest. This is how the media frames these things. They do it all the time. They are absolutely mischaracterizing everything. Hey, maybe they've always been this bad, but now it's just obvious because you and I have access to the real information going on. The protests going on in the farmer movement in Europe right now, biggest thing I've seen in a long time as as big as the trucker movement was in Canada, and that was also something you probably didn't hear about. The trucker movement was fantastic. It scared the bejesus out of Trudeau and Christian Freeland and all the leadership in the WEF, and it, it shook the halls of political power. Why? Because the, far, the truckers, in this case, the, were dangerously close to having it become realized across the general wider population that the people with the actual power are the truckers. The people with the actual power are the farmers. They are the people who actually feed us, clothe us, move the things around. That is the real economy. The actual elite leadership, they don't actually do anything for us. And so um, that's why they need the media on their side. And so uh, remember, it's kind of like this. Remember, so the media, when Biden sends millions of barrels of oil to China amid an oil crisis, compared to when the media, when you donate 25 bucks to some truckers. All right. Media's failing. Shame on you, media. All right. Netherlands, the Dutch. Uh, not to be confused with Denmark up there, which I've done in the past. Sorry. Got it right now. So the Netherlands, there they are, uh, just across from the UK there, uh, just to the west of Germany, north of France. And what's going on over there is this. This is the most astonishing thing. I mean, this is all, when you see this much hardware show up, you have a movement on your hands. That's why you just can't ignore seeing the trucks. You just can't ignore seeing... The truck, the all the tractors like this. So trucks, tractors, love it. Love what I'm seeing here because I support the idea that it's time for the people to have a say in how their futures turn out again. Because the leadership has lost the plot line. They really have, in a way that's going to be very harmful for all of us, unfortunately. And the scale of this thing is being really underplayed. It's just a massive, massive movement that's going on right now. 
And I think the the, peop, the farmers in the Netherlands, which is the number two exporter of food in the world on a dollar basis, that they are absolutely learning and have learned from what happened with the truckers in Canada. So the truckers in Canada, they were polite. They came out. They, you know, turned, the, they did, cleaned up monuments. They cleaned up after themselves. They fed the homeless. They didn't honk after certain times. They were very polite. And of course, what they got for their trouble was to be absolutely dismissed, ridiculed by Trudeau, called misogynist and racist, um, and absolutely taken apart by the media who are 100% complicit and in bed with the politicians. So for an update on this, let's turn now to Eva, uh, who's going to tell us a little bit about what's actually going on between the Dutch and farmers and the politicians. It's not a real crisis. Obviously, nitrogen isn't a problem, especially not when you consider the fact that, well, the Netherlands, like I said, is such a small piece of land. We have our neighboring countries, Belgium and, and Germany, that don't have to implement any of these measures, but the Dutch government is doing it. And the real reason, obviously, behind it is that the Dutch state wants the farmers' land. There are a couple of reasons. So the farmers, first of all, they're a group in society that are very self-reliant. They are basically ungovernable in that sense. You know, they own a lot of the Dutch land and they, well, they produce agricultural products. They have livestock, they produce beef. And what's interesting to know is that the Dutch minister who has pushed this nitrogen law has a brother-in-law who is the owner of the Dutch online supermarket called Picnic. Guess who invested $600 million in Picnic last year? Right. Bill Gates. This is very, very deeply involved in the World Economic Forum. And well, it's obvious that this law is a product, again, of these globalist institutions, because this needs to happen before 2030. Rings a bell, right? Agenda 2030, the Great Reset, World Economic Forum. It's very clear that this is a made up crisis, which we've seen before with these organizations. That's the way they ha handle, that's the way they operate these things. They say, we have a crisis and you are the ones that are going to have to solve this by giving up all of your rights. They're taking away these farmers' land, they're taking away property because they see a future for us in which we're, we're completely dependent on the state, you eat bugs, they own your land. You, you, know, they, you own nothing and you'll be happy is what they say to you, but these farmers are not happy and I'm so proud that they're fighting this. Well, yeah, I think that's a reasonable summary of the situation right there. And, and so that's the larger context. You know, so their neighboring countries aren't having this rule enforced, and all of a sudden there's this rule and it's an emergency, and farmers can't have nitrogen going into the atmosphere anymore. But unfortunately, uh, ta-da, the way this works out is that small farmers really get crushed by this, and the large agribusiness farmers that maybe Bill Gates is going to buy up their farmland, they can actually work with these rules because they wrote the rules, right? So this whole thing is just a global capitalist takeover, again, pitting the elites and capital against the people, everybody else, and labor and things like that. So that's the story. I think Eva characterized it really, really well, but this is the sentiment among the farmers out there the Dutch farmers right now, and so listening couldn't be more clear. We don't want war, but if we have to, we go. Civil war. Yeah, we'll have to see. We have a very little country, and we are only a spot on the whole world. But look at what we are doing. Ooh. If it's war, so be it. Civil war. I mean, they are ready to push this 
all the way through. They've been shot at so far. Um, they're uh, playing much harder tactics. They're dumping manure, spraying manure, blocking roads, uh, obviously saying they're just not, not putting up with this. But if the farmers stop farming, everything else falls apart instantly. So why now? Why did the Dutch government decide that right now is the most important thing? Well, Mark Rutte, the, the uh, leader of, of uh, Holland, he's basically... Uh, just he and Trudeau just love each other and they, they're good friends and they think the same way and they talk the same way and both of them belong to the WEF. So this is pretty clear what's happening right now. People in the country still have a sense that we're a country, we're a people, we have a border, we have a culture, we have an identity. Mm, that's not what the WEF wants. That's not what a, and the WEF may or may not be the string pullers and all this, but there is a global capitalism. As my interview with CJ Hopkins uh, revealed, as he pointed out, he thinks it's a system, right? There's a system of global capitalism, but it hates borders. It hates people feeling like they have any power. It loves concentrated power in the hands of corporations. It loves stateless power. And it doesn't like quaint things getting in its way, such as what you, the little guy, happens to think about things. So that's the battle that's underway, and it's really pitching out right now. But here's the thing. They are going to fail at this. I know they're going to fail at this. They being whoever the elites are in this story. They went to all the best schools. They got all the right training. They hang out at all the right parties. They know all the right people. But what they never had, most of them, was any practical experience in real life, which is how things actually work. And that's going to be a huge problem. So what are we seeing? Well, ladies and gentlemen, may I present the battle tractor? Um, they are clearly gearing up here in Holland for... Uh, a real a real pitched fight of some kind or another. So somebody has welded some armor plating around their their battle tractor here. And they're gearing up because they know that this is for all the marbles. If they lose this fight, they lose their farms, they lose their way of life, they lose everything. In service to what? We don't even know what, but it's a group of people who are obviously very, very busily building for us factories that... Like they have a factory that just opened in Canada that can produce eight or 10,000 tons of crickets a year. Great, but why Why now? You know, that's the question we should always be asking. So step one of social unrest coming to a theater near you is the first thing that has to happen is the majority of your people have to think you're on the wrong track. Recent survey just came out, and um, this came out on the 5th of July. 88% in the U.S. say the U.S. is on the wrong track. That's a big number, 88%, you say? Well, step 1B then, if you're losing the people, is you lose the youth first. They say here it's nearly 9 in 10, that's 88%. The survey found that just 10% said the country's head in the right direction. It's an all-time low. 6% of Republicans, just 6% said the country's headed in the right direction compared to 18% of Democrats, so that's threefold higher, but still miserable numbers. Older Americans were more likely to believe the country is headed in the right direction Here's where we've, loosed, we've lost the youth. 5% of those aged 18 to 34 said it's headed in the right direction. 5%. That is miserable. That is really bad. So the youth have been lost in this story. Why does that matter? Because that's where the rebellion always begins. It doesn't begin with the old folks. It's the youth who are always the ones out there in the streets, the ones who are saying enough of this. So I can feel those winds of change. They've come. Obviously, high inflation not helping, but the narrative is just broken what we're supposed to stand for, what matters, who are we. None of these things any, can anybody answer with any reasonable effect anymore except to say, unless you believe in corporations, you know, uh, there's not much left really to believe in around all of this. So I want you to get ready. 
I think there's obviously social unrest is already here, but there's a lot more of it coming. Why? Because food and fuel and water, those three issues are going to weigh heavily, increasingly. Uh, and this is many years. This isn't going to be over like in three months. Even if the price of oil gets smashed to $10 a barrel, it doesn't solve the fact that we don't have enough oil to actually run our economies in the way that we expect or are used to. So expect more of the social unrest. It's coming. And look at this. Um, let me move this over a little bit so I can sneak this in here. This is uh, just recently in The Guardian. Risk of conflict and strife in Europe over energy crisis. EU deputy warns. Yay, EU deputy. Thanks for finally catching on. Obviously, this was something you should have thought about before you went to war with Russia. Been a really cool thing to have thought through a little bit. I don't know what was going on in European leadership, but man, they were just dummies. Uh, that includes you, Franz. Thank you for finally getting on board, though. Obviously, risk of conflict and strife skyrocket when you run out of fuel, food, or water. Sri Lanka's missing two of those right now. So that's what's going on there. Second thing is famine. We've got absolutely, it's going to be famine this year. Lots of people aren't going to be able to afford the food. We're seeing that famine already, obviously, hunger stalking places that I've already just illustrated here today, but it's happening virtually every country that, that would be below a certain level of income line is struggling at this point in time. There are people all over the world struggling with the cost of food right now. And I think it's only going to get worse and it's going to turn into actual legit famine. Number three, war. This whole idea that we're just going to be at war with, um, you know, just on some proxy basis with Russia, maybe. But the way things are going right now, given uh, that warning that came out from the UK general about mobilizing forces in Europe, NATO, uh, obviously getting more and more involved. I don't know what's happening for sure over there right now, but the idea, the prospect of war spreading is obviously very high because pretty much every war in human history was a resource war. So that's what people tend to fight over. That's what really matters. We fight over fuel, food, water. Um, so the prospect of war is much higher. And here's what I'm really going to be talking about in part two of this, which is right behind me. If you come over to peakprosperity.com, come over here to the website. We are going to run part two. I'm going to be talking about what I consider to be the thing that is actually going to harm more people more immediately, more deeply than anything else is this economic collapse. Because if you have an economy, you can pretty much solve for food, fuel, and water. If your economy collapses, it gets impossible to ignore, organize at scale to get those things done. So here we see uh, the whole market is in danger of collapsing. Germany warns of a Lehman moment if Russia cuts off natural gas to Europe. Hey, Russian gas is cut off to Europe right now for planned maintenance. It's supposed to be down from the 10th of July to the 22nd. There are concerns. Will it be turned back on again or won't it? We don't know. But hey, if it isn't, there's actually a really big deal that's going to happen. So all those things I showed you with North Macedonia and Albania is going to spread to Greece, it's going to spread up and over to Italy. It's going to come up through the rest of Europe. We will see a lot of social unrest, particularly if this economic collapse comes forward. I don't know how we avoid it at this point. And what happened? A lot of dumb decisions. That's what happened. The central banks really screwed the pooch on this one. Politicians, horrible decisions. Bankers, overly greedy, doing what they do, just taking much, much more than their fair share. Overly financialized economies that produce a lot of things except things, right? Financialization is the prospect and process of using money to make money. It's amazing. You get billionaires out of it, but what you don't get is food, fuel, water, shelter, things like that. So that's where we are right now. Can't wait to talk with you about the rest of that. Hope you enjoyed this. We will see you next time.
time next week, right here. Leave some comments. Come to peakprosperity.com. We'll see you there for everybody else who follows me there. All right. Bye-bye.